evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we're going to look at the the match from this past weekend, A, uh, I think a satisfying 1-1 draw, although maybe uh, Red Bulls could have squeaked out the win there. We're going to go over some USL news. We'll hear from uh, John Wolnick and Jordan Scarlett and Brian White post game. Uh, from this past weekend and uh, we'll preview the match against memphis 901 and some returning familiar faces once again i think pretty much every week we will be able to say that <laughs> as the players have now spread across <laughs> all of usl joining me tonight as always or i guess i should say i'm i'm your host joseph goldstein the uh managing editor at the red bulls news network and joining me tonight as always or sometimes as now our our little group is broken up and gotten back together so many times. It's Bill Toomey. Hello, Bill. Hey, Joe. It's good to be back, and I like how you did your own intro there. It sounded pretty good. <laughs> I said Joseph, though, which I don't generally say. <laughs> yeah, we got very formal for a quick second there. My name is Joseph Reginald Howard Goldstein. <laughs> That's not my actual name, but Howard is. Howard is, is my middle name. For those longtime listeners, I think we've said that on the show once before. It's pretty fancy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> How are you, Bill? I'm doing good. You know, uh, after this weekend's result, I guess, like you said, I'm kind of happy with the draw. I mean, I thought it could have could have been a win, but, you know, I can't complain. Well, yeah. I, look, Nashville, I think, is is proving to be one of the best teams in the East. I think that this was a, a good sort of uh, early season test for Red Bulls, too, and see kind of where they shake out. And largely, this was a positive result. Uh, there's one bad mistake in this match. We'll talk about that first. Uh, Sean Nealis playing on the back line. I thought, overall, he did a great job on the day. Makes one mistake, heading the, trying to head the ball back to Evan Loro can't get enough power on it. Daniel Rios is able to take uh, control of the ball, dribble around Loro and score from an acute angle, but I think it was still pretty easy tapping, uh, giving Nashville the lead. And that, that goal came against the run of play, and I thought it really changed the game. Yeah, I, I think it did too. And I mean, that's pretty much every defender's worst nightmare where you don't put enough power on the ball and get it back to the keeper. And even the first Rebels 2 game at home, there we had a scenario just like that where, you know, the Rebels 2 were able to drag the keeper out of the box and score a quick goal. So it's just horrible luck. Yeah. But overall, look, I mean, uh, for a young guy, a rookie like Nealis, in in terms of what I've seen, that's his first real mistake. Yes, he's punished for it, but I think uh, that should a, a, at least excite people in terms of what he's been able to accomplish so far. Yes, it's just two games, but we've also seen him uh, play with the first team. We see his leadership qualities, uh, I think, which is very welcome on the back line compared to what uh, has been lacking the last couple of years. And just overall, uh, in terms of... Um, the whole back line, uh, it's a vast improvement over their, over last season. It is. And it's also pretty cool that he's not afraid to use his head and hit the ball. <laughs> We've seen that <laughs> in quite a few scenarios so far where he's had some awesome headers. So it's kind of cool to see that because we need more people that are going to be in the air trying to hit the ball. Yeah. And uh, for those who don't necessarily get a chance to stand next to Sean or, or be near the guy, he is 
just gigantic. I, I cannot really stress is. that enough. Uh, huge, huge defender. And those are always intimidating. It's good to have somebody like that on the back line, especially after losing Hassan. Uh, Jordan Scarlett, I think partnering with him has looked a ton better than he did last year. I know that he was hampered a little bit by injuries, uh, but the back line also got a little bit imbalanced at times uh, when uh, the wingbacks weren't necessarily playing responsibly and um, owning up to some of their defensive responsibilities. Uh, yeah. So, you know, with a, a stabilized back line and having someone like Nealis next to next to you, and he'll, he talks about this later, which you'll hear during uh, the postgame comments, it just makes it so much easier to to do your job. And I think that's really helping him to shine. And there's chemistry now, too, with that. So I think, like you said, it's his time to shine. And uh, I wonder what the rest of the season will bring because we're still in the very early beginning stages of, of the season. Yeah. Uh, the other guy who got some minutes finally on the back line. Eh, finally, this is the second game. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, slow, I'll slow my roll a bit. Uh, Edgardo Rito uh, got his first minutes for the team. Uh you know, Reese Buckmaster filling on the left side because Alan Giannis was out, uh, gave Edgardo a perfect uh, chance to, to get a start. And I really like what we saw. Uh, great work ethic. Um, his athleticism really shined. He pretty much ran his butt off the entire match. Not the sharpest in the final third, uh, but as far as I'm concerned, it's way more important for him to be defensively responsible. And I thought he did a very good job at that. Yeah, I think he did do a good job at that too. And like you said about you know the third there, he's not afraid to take shots, which is kind of cool too. So over time, you know that that could improve too. And it's also nice to have you know a defender up in the third who's not afraid to hit the ball. Right, and you know I I assume that his crossing will get a little bit better and passing will get a little bit better as he becomes more and more familiar with his teammates. Uh, because one, they don't have a ton of time together yet, and there's still that language barrier. Uh, so I, th- I think good things are going to come, but it's, it's still going to take a little while. Um, moving up the field one level, uh, I thought after the first 15 minutes of the match, and then again for the last 15 minutes of the match, uh, the central midfield combo uh, was clicking and doing really well. They were, they were playing a lot of one-touch passes, uh, able to move the ball laterally and then still maintain an attack and, and, and fluid movement. And then after the goal, things kind of really got uh, hectic for them. It allowed Nashville to sit back. They were able to pressure uh, the center of the, of the, the midfield and force everything wide. And, you know, I think Chris Lima didn't have the best day passing the ball, uh, Jared maybe got a little bit lost in the role, which is something that I think, uh, you know, as he's learning and growing into it, you're going to see from time to time. Um, but it, it just wasn't everything that I wanted. Now, the bright spot in the midfield on the day, uh, I think, was uh, Christian Caceres, who he he brought that bite that we've known that he's capable of. His footwork was fantastic. His passing was a little off, though, on the day. Yeah, his passing was a little bit off. And Jared Stroud is someone who usually, you know, connects a lot on his shots, and he seemed to to struggle with that over the weekend there. Um, it almost seemed like Epps kind of had to step up and kind of play both roles where he had to take over in the midfield and create chances for the offensive, you know, team there to actually score that that goal. So 
Yeah, it was lacking a bit there in the midfield for sure. I will I will give Jared props because he he makes that pass uh, to Epps at the top of the box um, after uh, after the the play kind of broke up. What led to that goal was um, I think it was Edgardo Epps and Stroud all kind of playing these short passes. Uh, that pass into Epps though kept him in stride. It gave him a chance to to beat the defenders with his his speed on the back line. Uh, and uh, sent in a perfect cross to Brian White. Brian White, first start with the team, first goal. Uh, I don't think anybody's surprised that he's able to get it, um, but I did think he drifted out of the game at times because he's kind of learning to be a a more um, uh, uh, what's the like a more traditional number nine, uh, where he's got to play with his his back to the goal a lot of the time and stay further up the field rather than dropping back, which we know that he, he does quite a bit. Yeah. And it was pretty awesome of a goal too, to see him do a diving header. Yeah, that was, that was great. (laughs) Here's my question for you. I wonder if we will see Brian white back in goal this year. Oh, I, that would be something else. (laughs) I I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. Maybe Evan Laura gets a red card. Uh, Everything goes sideways. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that is one game I will never forget and is still up there with, like, I think one of my all-time favorite USL games that I've ever been to. Yeah, that, that whole night was crazy. You got the face goal. Uh, yes. <laughs> Brian White scores a goal, saves a goal, assists a goal, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I wonder if the full game is out on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know if they save the full game replays, but if they do, it's going to be one that I'm going to go back and watch down the road and be like, okay, I'm, i got to rewatch this game. I'm almost certain USL still keeps replays on uh, YouTube, so uh, we should be able to get that. Okay, I'm going to pause for yep. a second because uh, I forgot to plug my laptop in. I'm watching the battery drain, and I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do-do-do-do. I might not even take that out of the podcast. Maybe I'll just leave that in there. Don't Why forget not? to plug in your laptops, kids. <laughs> yep, don't forget. Um, okay. I, I I think that's about all that we need to talk about for that uh, that match against Nashville. Who's your man of the match, Bill? Uh, man of the match for me is Marcus Epps. I think that's a solid pick. He was very good and dynamic uh, throughout the match. I'm going to give mine to Caceres because I think – Part of what helped really disrupt uh, Nashville during the, the the portion of the game where they had a lot of control and, and looked like they were going to get a second goal uh, was Casares's defensive work. He helped kind of build uh, the Red Bulls back into the match by winning the ball, keeping the passes short and easy, and getting them back into a rhythm, which eventually led to the goal. So I'm going to give it to him. Uh, so uh, uh, Epps and Casares, congratulations. Job well done. Now, let's turn our attention to the USL in general. Uh, first up, Cameron Iwasa, Player of the Week, Sac Republic. Uh, he scored a hat trick in how many minutes, Bill? Do you know? No, I don't. Do you want to take a guess? Uh, I'm going to guess 13 minutes. Oh, Bill. That's an eternity. 11 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> what? He scored a hat trick in 11 minutes. I thought 13 was nuts. 11. <laughs> he also added an assist in a 4-1 win over OKC Energy. That is a heck of a performance. That's a Tom Barlow-esque performance. <laughs> I know. That that even uh, almost beats out Mike Rella's fastest goal in MLS. Yeah. Speaking of Mike Rella, by the way, uh, great job on the call, Mike. Uh, hopefully we get to hear you in the broadcast booths more often for Red Bull 2. It was very good. 
Well, I, this is presum- presuming that he actually listened to the show. Uh, <laughs> so, of course he does. Who does? Yeah, of course. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully you do, Mike, and uh, good work. Uh, on the bench of Team of the Week this week, Christian Caceres Jr. Uh, so USL recognized he did a heck of a job. Uh, let's take a look at the standings. So I, this is going to be something we're going to do every week this year and just get an idea of uh, where teams are. The top 10 in the Eastern Conference in order, Tampa Bay, St. Louis, North Carolina. That It's kind of crazy. Those three teams are. Yeah, yeah. One, especially two, North three. Carolina. Uh, and North Carolina lost their best player, and they're still doing well. Uh, then Louisville, New York Red Bulls 2, Atlanta United 2. What? 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 Now they're three matches in. They have a win. Uh, they're one, one, and one. So don't read too much into it just yet. Their win, by the way, is over Hartford. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, well, we only have two matches in, so there that's you go. true. So we're tied on points, but we're ahead because uh, we've played less games. Charleston Battery is at seven. Nashville is at eight. They've kind of run up uh, against some tough luck. Again, I still think that they're one of the best teams in the East, but uh, St. Louis out defended them in a def- defensive duel. And uh, they couldn't beat the Red Bulls. So, whoop, whoop. Then 9, Ottawa Fury FC. And then 10, this week's opponent, Memphis 901 FC. Rounding out the bottom, and this has uh, got to rub some fans the wrong way. Indy 11, uh, currently in 11th place. Uh, they are 1-1. One and one. They lost against St. Louis. So, now you know why St. Louis is up top. Uh, and they came back and beat Charlotte 3-2. to two. Under them, this is the last team that has a win in the East, Beth Steel, Bethlehem Steel FC. They beat Birmingham Legion <laughs> in the opener and then lost against North Carolina and Memphis. We'll get to that in a bit. And then underneath them, Charlotte, Swope Park. Uh, Swope Park, by the way, what a crazy match against uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. 2-2. Uh, both of the Swope Park goals came after the 80th minute. And then the Riverhounds tied it in extra time. So good work there. Uh, in 16th, Loudoun United, 17th, Birmingham Legion, and then 18th, the aforementioned Hartford Athletic. Three matches, three losses, negative four goal differential. They're not giving up a ton, uh, but they're, they're definitely not getting the job done. How is Pittsburgh in 15th? <coughs> yeah, That's right? Crazy. Bob Lilly, yeah. what's going on there? Bob they, Lilly, yeah. Now, they came up against uh, Tampa Bay in their first match. True. The match they tied against Swope Park before anyone goes and judges them uh, because the Red Bull so easily handled Swope Park. The goals in that match were scored by Rodney Wallace, former uh, Portland Timber and uh, DC United, New York City FC, and Kellen Rowe. Kellen Rowe is playing in the USL. Wow. That's ridiculous, guys. It is. That is ridiculous. Gideon Zellelum. Uh, former Arsenal man and U.S. Uh, international was also in the midfield of that game, so that is not the team that faced the Red Bulls. That was a much stronger team. Uh, Zendejas uh, or Zendejas, I'm not sure how to say that name. Adrian Zendejas. He played. Um, he was in goal in the USL Cup uh, final against the Red Bulls. Uh, he also played in that match. So much stronger team that they were playing. So don't get don't get all over them just yet. Um. Oh, I didn't look at the uh, the Western Conference. We'll go through that much faster than we did the East, because it matters less to us, of course. <laughs> uh, oh, well, I guess that while I'm looking that up, Bill, what 
what's your biggest surprise so far? And um, I guess my biggest surprise is uh, seeing Tulsa Roughnecks in first place. I just was not expecting Tulsa to be in first. Yeah. Uh, mostly because we've never really heard much about Tulsa. <laughs> and then you have, in fifth place, New Mexico United, which is a brand new team. And uh, they have zero losses. Yeah. They have three draws three and one draws, win, zero which losses. is pretty awesome for you know your first season to be four games in and have no losses. They, that's, that's pretty awesome. They had a great game against Phoenix Rising and drew 3-3. Three, three. Uh, pretty crazy stuff. So let's go down uh, 1 through 10. Tulsa, Portland Timbers, Sacramento Republic, Colorado Springs Switchbacks, OKC Energy. The fact that the Energy and the Roughnecks are above the line is crazy. It is. Uh, New Mexico United in 6th, 7th, Real Monarchs, Fresno in 8th, Reno in ninth, and LA Galaxy 2 in 10th. It's so rare to see them that high up the table. Good work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I'm coughing up a storm here, guys. Dying over there. I will live through to finish this podcast if it's the last thing I do. And of course, if I died afterwards, it would be. Uh Tacoma in eleventh, Phoenix Rising in twelfth, the for the former Western Conference champions, two draws to start the season. Orange County SC, El Paso Locomotive, Austin Bold, San Antonio FC. Uh, Rio Grande Valley FC in 17th, and then dead last in the West with one point, the Las Vegas Lights, Anthony's favorite team, our favorite uh, circus, Eric Winalda. such a high hope for them, too, last, you know, last season. Eric Winalda taking over. He's the guy that can get it done. He's the one who knows. Everybody knows. And uh, so far, n- not so good. Uh, what is, what's your takeaway here? I mean, so much of this is up in the air. Tulsa has played more games than, than pretty much everybody. Uh, and even though they're in first place, it's two, one and one, they drew against the Timbers too, which is a good team. Uh, they beat orange County in a five to three match. What in the world? Uh, Yeah. And then you have, you know, like orange County and Phoenix rising neck and neck in 12th and 13th place when last year they were a lot better and higher up the table. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just to go back to Tulsa, they have an insane number of goals so far. They scored five and four in separate matches against Tacoma and against Orange County, uh, one against New Mexico United, and then one against Portland Timbers. So in four matches to have so many goals, wow, great job, guys. They're beating up on teams that they should. And uh, falling to teams, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out with them. Uh, <laughs> because of that, Luca Lobo, the Tulsa striker, has five goals. He's leading the Golden Boot race. And then on the assist side, Rodrigo da Costa, also at Tulsa, has three. He's tied with Kenny Walker at Indianapolis uh, with all, with three as well. Indy, sorry, Indy 11, not Indianapolis. So that's our USL News Roundup. Uh, we will be back after this. We're going to hear from John Wallenick, Jordan Scarlett, and Brian White post-game this past weekend. So stick around. Yeah, so... Uh Nashville's a good team, uh, so it was a hard, hard match for us. Um, 
you know, usually we're pretty good at home and get a lot of results. But uh, you know, today, I, obviously, we prefer to win and get the three points. Um, but uh, in the end, I think it was a pretty good effort from us. Um, the first half was was good, but missing a little bit. And then the second half, we came out really strong in the beginning of the half and you know created a bunch of chances. Obviously, get back in the game, maybe a little unlucky, or do we need a little more quality to to get ahead? But um, overall, I was pretty happy with the performance, and uh, I think uh, we're moving in a good direction. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how the defense performed today? Really, it's just one big mistake that, that cost them. And overall, they shut down a pretty talented attack. Yeah, I mean, listen, to, um, Rios and Lancaster those, and Belmar, those guys are good players, and they, they challenged our back line. Um, but I thought we, we held up pretty well, you know. So certainly we'll look at a couple things and see if we can get a little better in certain areas. And, uh, you know, yeah, do we, you know, give up a goal that's, uh, you know, a little tough to take, but at the end of the day, you know, those those plays happen, and, you know, credit to, to Rios, he works hard and runs, and, you know, he puts constant pressure on, on the center back, so uh, not always easy. But uh, in the end, we limited them uh, pretty much from for good stretches of the game, so I, I got to be pretty happy with that. Uh, Rito fills in for Giannis today. Uh, how do you think he did? Uh, yeah, I thought he did well. Um, you know, shows some energy, shows uh, a willingness to go forward. Um, you know, show, showed some good individual defending. Um, you know, he's still new, so the tactics are still a little bit of work in progress. But uh, overall, I, I thought he had a good effort. I know he was a little frustrated after the game. I think he thought that he could could have made a difference in the game because he got into some really good spots. Um, at the end of the day, I thought he was good. He was a positive for the group for sure. What did you see on the Nashville goal, and then how did your defense respond? Yeah, the ball over top that bounces. Um, you know, you always get those tricky bounces on the turf, and uh, you know, Sean tries to play it back to the goalkeeper, and Rios does a good job. He understands that uh, that's a tricky play for center backs to handle. Um, you know, my, my commentary guys was, can we help Sean through that? You know, is, is there communication from the goalkeeper? Is, is Scarlett? Um, you know, dealing with the forward while Sean's dealing with the ball. I think there's a lot of ways. You know, it's easy to say, oh, it was a bad pass back, but that's not an easy play. So, you know, for a young guy, Sean, you know, needs to learn maybe a little bit of savviness there and figure that play out a little better, but he'll get better and he'll learn. So uh, I'm not worried about that. But the, the response is pretty good. A lot, you know, I think the goal came against play a little bit, and I, it's not always easy for young guys to, to respond when things don't exactly go your way, and you feel like, oh, how did that happen? But overall, we respond and get back in the game and, and to put ourselves in position to win just didn't quite get there. Jordan, talk a little bit about the defensive performance. Obviously, Nashville's got a very talented attack, but you guys really limited them and didn't give them too many opportunities today. Um, I think going back from last year, like we... We didn't really have clean sheets last year, even though we didn't get one um, this year. But like, I think we we're more like focused on defense first this year because our team is about press. So we lock down defense and give the guys up front to do what they got to do. And you've been able to partner with Nealis a couple of times now. Uh, how is that uh, developing, and how comfortable do you feel next to him? I think yeah. I, I mean, Sean, because of the because we play such a high line, he's pretty fast. So like, I'm pretty comfortable. Like, if there's balls in behind, I don't get too nervous because I know he's gonna be there. I think in practice we've been playing together a lot, and we've just been gelling good. So I think if we keep going, then we can have a solid um, season. Jordan, if you could talk about the performance of Rito today, you guys had him replacing Giannis at the, at the right back position. Talk about you know how you felt the performance in the back line. I think um, since Rito came in, man, he's a funny guy. As he came in, his energy, man, he's just like so addictive. So everybody just feeds off him. Um, he's slowly learning English, so that's pretty good. Um, I just think like 
he told me like like just just talk to him and he does what he does he goes up and down even in practice always giving 100 percent. he's always in front and all that so i think it's good john said you guys responded well after the goal and you guys put together a solid shift what was the the thinking and and going after that goal and putting together a performance like that i think i mean we have a tendency to always react uh, better after goals i think we just got to work on um not giving up a goal earlier in the first half, but I think that's just that's just who we are, you know. Like we like adversity, we like fighting back, and we go in the locker room, we talk, and we didn't really give them much than than that goal, which is unfortunate. But um, we stick to the game plan. I stick to Toulouse, and I think we came out pretty good. Brian, congrats on the goal. Uh, talk a little bit about how the offense did today. Maybe you know missing the final pass at times, but obviously uh, a quality finish towards the end. They were. Uh, maybe building into it, hit the post, a little bit unlucky. Yeah, I think uh, it's good for us to get out there. I think um, kind of a new group of guys playing together. We don't always train uh, together, so it's good for us to kind of work through it, especially in the first half. And then I think the second half was a lot better in terms of you know what we wanted to accomplish. Marcus Epscrab is the assist on your goal. Talk about a little bit about what he brings to the attack and how it helps you guys today. Yeah, he's dynamic, 1v1, like he's going to beat his guys. So... Let's try and stay alert in the box because, uh, you know, he's, good, he's got good crosses and he's going to do his job. How did it feel to just get back out there and, you know, get some minutes and, and you know, play against a team like Nashville, a very good defensive team? Yeah, you know, it's good to, you know, come back from the injury, get a good, good amount of game in and just be out there and playing again. So enjoyed it. I think a good result for us in terms of coming back from 1-0 down and especially against Nashville. It's a good team. we MLS next year and I think it's, you know, lots of things we could build off of. And we're back with our final segment. We're going to preview the match now against Memphis 901 FC. They're a brand new team. Not a ton of data out there, but let's look at what they've done so far. They're 1-1-1 with a zero goal differential. They beat Bethlehem Steel. Uh, This was uh, this past weekend. First win in franchise history. And uh, for Red Bulls fans, maybe you should get a little bit nervous about the way this one was done. It's it's kind of a classic win in terms of the ways uh, that teams beat the Red Bulls. Under 40% possession, they were outshot 11 to 6 and they spent almost, you know, the entire game putting numbers behind the ball and just looking for counterattack opportunities. And uh Bethlehem Steel similar mistake uh, as as Sean Nealis. the the defender tries to head the ball back and um the strike from Memphis 901 uh, Rashawn Daly, or Dolly, Dolly, I think it's Dolly, uh, was able to grab the ball and and finish it. And we should also mention that Beth Steele was playing at home. Yes, that was that was on the road. They get their first win. Beth Steele, come on, guys, what's happening? Yeah. There? they actually what's didn't. They didn't look so bad. They created so many opportunities, but uh, and they're playing out. where the Union plays, right? At that's Talent right at Energy Talent Energy Stadium. now. Uh, you could actually play night games against them now. So that's fun. <laughs> um, they lost to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, not a whole lot in this game. Both teams kind of, well, uh, Tampa Bay attacked, but uh, for the most part, they took an early lead on a, a penalty kick. And then 
Memphis didn't really have a plan of attack to get back into the game. Tampa Bay didn't have to stretch any uh, themselves, so they were able to remain compact uh, and really nothing doing. And then they drew against Loudoun United, first-year uh, teams against each other. Uh, deflected goal for Loudoun uh, to, to open the scoring. Uh, kind of a, a crazy moment, but, you know. You have to account for those sometimes. And then uh, Memphis, uh, Elliot, Elliot Collier, Collier uh, scored the equalizer for them. It was a terrible goalkeeping error. Great run by Collier. Uh, he hits it basically right at the Loudon keeper, and it like dribbled through his legs and into the goal. Whew, bad stuff. Their that team leaders, uh, the, t- the aforementioned goal scorers, the only two they have so far, uh, Elliot Collier and uh, Rashawn Dolly. Uh, each with a goal, Junior Sandoval with one assist. Uh, there's a, a, a couple of, of uh, familiar names on the squad. Former Dan Red Metzger, Bull, right? Yep, Dan Metzger's there. Uh, former Academy player Adam Najem, and uh, former goalkeeper Scott Levine. He's been on this show. He was, I believe, called the goal, goalkeeping god at UConn, I want to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, I remember Scott. He's not the starter, though, unfortunately. Uh so, you know, a couple of familiar faces. Obviously, Dan Metzger is a uh, big-time fan favorite. I'm I'm pos- I'm I'm not positive, but I'm I'm nearly positive that he's got uh the most starts and most minutes uh for Red Bulls 2 in their history. Uh, so it's going to be nice to see him again. Najem might not play in this match on Friday because uh he was called up to the Afghanistan national team. I'm not sure he's back yet. Uh so we'll have to wait and see on that. And uh, on the defensive side of things, Wesley Charpie, I think that's how you say that, uh, he was on the team of the week this past week. Seven clearances, four interceptions and recoveries in that win against Bethlehem Steel. Like I said, they they really like to, to pack uh, numbers behind the ball and defend. We're going to do a stat breakdown now. Uh, I'm going to start introducing this. Uh, every week we'll look at uh, a couple of sort of big ticket stat items. And we'll see who nets out where, and we'll award um, sort of the winner of these battles, and then make a determination of who has the edge in the match based on that. This is completely unscientific (laughs) and should not be held up to any scrutiny. (laughs) Uh, Tackle success uh, leans heavily towards the Red Bulls, 66 to 83.9%. Duels won, again, towards the Red Bulls, 47.5% to uh, 59.9%. Aerial duels won, 389 for Memphis, 47.2% for New York Red Bulls 2, and goals conceded, they're equal at two apiece. So defensively, this one goes to the Red Bulls. Distribution. Pass success, 72.7 for Memphis and 67 for the Red Bulls. Obviously, we know the Red Bulls like to attack in a more direct style. So advantage Memphis. Passes per 90, 463 for Memphis, 421 for Red Bulls. Again, advantage Memphis. Accuracy uh, in the attacking third, 62.9 for Memphis, 61.1 for the Red Bulls. And in their own half, 85 to 78.2. All of those stats uh, in um, uh, are advantage to Memphis. So one to one, it's tied. <laughs> Defense to the Red Bulls, passing to Memphis. <coughs> Now, like I said, they stay behind the ball and they look to uh, kind of um, keep things compact. So you can't read into this too much, <laughs> but I'm going to. <laughs> uh, let's look at the attack. Shots in general, 
18 for Memphis, 32 for the Red Bulls. Wow. Shots on goal, 7 for Memphis, 18 for the Red Bulls. Goals, 2 for Memphis, 4 for the Red Bulls. Wait, that can't be right. How many did they score in the first game? Oh, it was three. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> For some reason, I thought that was a four-to-one <laughs> win. Uh, conversion rate, 11.1 to 12.5%. Congrats, Red Bulls. You squeaked another winner in there. In, uh, goals inside the box. Uh, this is not really part of the scoring. Uh, one for Memphis, three for the Red Bulls. Outside the box, they each have one. Neither team has scored from a free kick. Minutes per goal, 135 for Memphis and 45 for the Red Bulls. So, uh, given all of that, the Red Bulls win attack and defense and have advantage going into this match. Uh, Memphis can pass the ball around. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that against the Red Bulls. <laughs> um, but uh, like we saw against Bethlehem Steel, they're not afraid to play long and, and just stay compact and look for whatever they can get when they can get it. Bill, looking at all of this, I want to get a prediction from you. I think uh, this is this is rough. I mean, I think Rebels are definitely better defensively and offensively. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, predict a three-zero win for Rebels too. That would be a big win. I think Memphis has a, a pretty good defense, so I'm not going to be as optimistic. But I'm going to call this a two-nothing win uh, for the Red Bulls. Both of us are in prime position to be uh, called fools. And uh, found out to be wrong <laughs> because of how Memphis plays that counter-attack style. But I'm willing to, to stick my nose out a little bit and say that'll be the case. Me too. <coughs> Still not dead yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> Almost. Not there, though. Children. Having children in the spring. Terrible idea. Having children in the summer. Uh, terrible idea. In the winter and fall. Also terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they are little germy monsters. They will, they will seek you out and cough in your face and ruin your week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the upside, though, so this is still okay. Hey, that's positive, at least. Uh, that's it for us. We're going to get out of here, but first, we're going to tell you where to find us. I'm at underscore Joe Goldstein. And I'm at Bill TNJ. And if you want to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And, of course, that's all on Twitter. You can also follow both of our uh, works at the Red Bulls News Network, RB News Network on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Raising Bulls. You can go to RaisingBulls.com where we post all of our episodes. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, whatever it is now. They change it. It's not just Google Play. It's maybe Google Music. We're on YouTube. I never mentioned that, but we are. Uh, All of our shows are posted up there. We're on Spotify, just pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast, we're, we're there. And if we're not, tell us, we will get us on there. Hashtag Merced in. We're part of the Beautiful Game Network with such shows like the USL Show, Mongols, Pittsburgh Scholastic Soccer Show, The Unused Substitute, St. Louis Soccer Report, and so much more. They've got a ton of great podcasts for the USL, MLS, uh, international soccer. I could be making some of this up. But if you want to fact check me, go to bgn.fm and find out. And of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. They are the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, Joe Goldstein, and Bill Toomey, 
Thank you very much and have a great night.